Who are the elite athletes? They are the men and women who have dedicated themselves to a level of achievement in a sport that most can only dream about. Whether they reach that pinnacle of success in high school, college, or in the pro game, the vast majority of these great athletes come to realize that their time at the top is only a few years. What does life have in store for them for the next 50, 60, or more years? What challenges and barriers do they face along the way? After the Glory is the show that features conversations with elite athletes as they talk about what led them to greatness and how their special skill set has prepared them for life beyond the playing field. Gary Stern and Lucy Sang are passionate admirers of elite athletes and are proud to bring you their stories. And now, the host of After the Glory, Lucy Sang and Gary Stern. Welcome to After the Glory. Today, along with my co-host, Lucy Sang, we are honored to have as our guest, Mr. Tim Lavin. Now, although Lucy and I are both graduates of UCLA, uh, different generations, but the same great university. We have a great deal of respect. Come on, Lucy, you agree with me, don't you? For USC. And today we are welcoming Tim Lavin, who is the author of a really important book called Walk on You, The Shocking Truth Behind Football's Unsung Underdogs. The back of the book tells it all about Tim Lavin. Tim Lavin was the toughest walk-on I ever saw. He was what USC football is all about, spoken by the great Mike Garrett. Aside from the really tough parts of being a walk-on, Tim Lavin unveils in this book the secret perks that come with the demanding underdog role from none other than the former DI college and NFL coach Steve Mariucci and from Ken Zampezi, the offensive, the quarterback coach from the Cincinnati Bagels. Tim Lavin was the most passionate and relentless walk-on I ever saw. He set out to prove he could play on Saturday and be an impact player, and he did it. That's why we called him Mad Dog. Mad Dog, welcome to After the Glory. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to talk to you all. Um, football is not a sport that most boys or girls play coming out of the womb. It's something that they develop a passion for. Uh, it's not the most natural sport in the world to uh, get into, let's say, compared to basketball or baseball. How did you get started in the world of football? Oh, gosh. Uh, when I was seven years old, my uh, two I have two older brothers. They were playing Pop Warner football. And um, I think the minimum age, is you had to be seven at the time. So it was... 1977 and and um my father you know let me let me go play and i started at the age of seven so i played seven years in a row uh of pop warner football before i entered uh the high school ranks when did you say to yourself in that seven-year journey as a child gosh i'm good at this i might be able to actually go somewhere with this sport um I think when I was uh, eight, the, the next year, the first the first year, uh, they put me on offensive line, and I didn't like that. I mean, I, I enjoyed the game, but I didn't like just being a blocker. I wanted to run the ball. I wanted to score touchdowns, 
and I talked to my coach and I'm like, you know, I want to be a running back. And he finally put me in a running back and I just uh, started breaking tackles left and right. And, and they kept me there for uh, the next six years of Pop Warner and into high school and into college at USC. Tim, you're telling us at the age of seven or eight, you were advocating for the future of your career, huh? <laughs> yes, I, um, when I was seven, the first day that we went to go pick up our uniforms, I wanted to be number 39 because I idolized Larry Zonka uh, of the Miami Dolphins. And we got, my father and I got to the uniform pickup a little bit late and somebody else had picked 39. So I said to the coach, well, what numbers are available? And they gave me a bunch of numbers and number 33 was available. So I said, okay, fine, I'll take number 33. And when I got home, I asked my older brother who's seven years older than me, who's famous at where's number 33? And he's like, Tony Dorsett, he's with the Dallas Cowboys and he just won the Heisman Trophy last, last year. So I be, immediately became a Tony Dorsett fan, a Dallas Cowboy fan, and I wore number 33 for all seven years of Pop Warner and all four years of uh, high school. I couldn't wear it at USC because Marcus Allen somehow retired the number. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Who was that again? <laughs> <laughs> and and Tim, just for your reference, 33 was my number playing basketball. I love it. Oh, great. Scotty Pippen. There Kareem, you go. Right? There you go. Awesome, Lucy. What, what high school did you go to, Tim? And uh, tell, tell us about the high school experience. Oh, I went to Chaminade College Prep in West Hills in the West San Fernando Valley. Um, right by Woodland Hills, which I, I know you're uh, located in. And um, yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, it was a college prep school. I, I kind of had my choice of going to Chaminade or Chatsworth High School. And um, Chaminade has two campuses. So there's a, a junior high campus in Chatsworth and then the high school campus in West Hills. And so I went to the junior high campus, made great friends, was there seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And it, just by, you know, natural progression, everybody just kind of stays with the school and goes on to the other campus. There's a few people that say, you know what, college prep life isn't for me. I'm gonna go to Chatsworth High School, a public school, kind of get a di different atmosphere. Um, but being Catholic myself, I think it was uh, in my best interest to stay in the school, had great, great friends and um, there were a lot of great athletes in my class and the class above me and below me so I was I was looking for great things in high school uh, in football. Well you had a good high school career you had a solid high school career um, did you hope to be did you expect to be recruited um, because obviously you, you entered USC without a scholarship which is what begins the true import of your story what happened in that transition from 12th grade to, to college? Um, you know, at the end of the year of my senior season, I was second in rushing in Southern California and second in scoring. So I felt that I had put up the numbers to get, to get a scholarship. Um, but Chaminade, as you know, is a very small school. 
Um, I also did not have blazing speed. So, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, a lot of coaches live and die by the, by the stopwatch, which is sometimes unfortunate. So I had a lot of offers to walk on at a number of division one schools. And I did have a couple offers to get partial scholarships at division two schools. And I was just determined to play division one. Um, and I, I wasn't going to let anything stop me. So uh, when I had the opportunity, when USC uh, asked me down to the campus and they said, hey, look, we're out of all of our scholarships. Um, we've given them all away, but we would love for you to walk on and we think you can do great things here. And I talked it over with my parents and they, you know, they said, do it. We'll support you. Well, we're going to talk about the revelations about being a walk-on when we come back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with my uh, partner, Lucy Sang, and our very special guest, Tim Lavin. Uh, some important words about the student-athlete and the walk-on when we come back. Role models, they can make all the difference. In our world today, they have never been more important. One of the nation's most successful mentoring organizations is Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles. Their mission is to assist youth in achieving their full potential through innovative and impactful programs. And no nonprofit agency does it better. Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of LA serves Jewish children, boys and girls in our local community with a mentoring program that's been going strong since 1915. That's only the beginning. This nationally known agency owns and operates Camp Bob Waldorf. Its summer camping and weekend retreat programs enrich the lives of youth throughout greater Los Angeles. Then there's a college support program, and last but not least, work that helps kids all over the world through the Teen Talk app. Want to learn more? Go to jbbbsla.org. Donate. Get involved. There's no better way to make a difference. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and our special guest, Tim Lavin. Tim, let's jump right into it. Most people don't talk about the elite athlete experience as a walk-on experience. Tell us about your personal walk-on experience, but also how it led you to your book and being an advocate for other walk-ons to come after you. Yeah, well, um, when I didn't get uh, a scholarship, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a punch in the gut. Uh, but if you, you know, believe in yourself and you know that you can play at the division one level, you know, sometimes you got to take a leap of faith. So um, I took my uh, leap of faith and, and really uh, pushed myself. You know, I lived in the weight room. I got there at six o'clock in the morning before everybody else did, uh, right when the weight room coaches were getting there. Um, and, you know, I knew that I was going to have to be bigger and stronger and faster than I ever had before in my life just to get an opportunity to get on the field on Saturday. And, you know, when I, you know, when you're a walk-on, they don't, the coaches don't expect anything from you except to be a great scout team player, a great practice player. Like you are supposed to prepare the scholarship guys that they spent so much time and money recruiting during their high school process. And so from a coach's perspective, they spent a, a lot of time and money and 
convincing the head coach, I want to recruit this guy and give him a scholarship. They're going to go out of their way and do everything they can to have that guy be, you know, the next great OJ Simpson or, you know, whomever, you know, they, they want this guy to be great. And so when a walk-on comes in and starts butting heads with them, you know, we have a, we have a situation. Does the coach go with the best player or does he go with the guy that he recruited for four years? So it becomes a serious challenge and it's a, it's a great big struggle for walk-ons who do have the ability to play on Saturday, but sometimes don't get that, that opportunity. Within that uh, realm, Tim, tell us, first of all, tell us about the numbers. In other words, how many scholarships typically are given out at division one level? How many players uh, show up for home games versus travel? Go through the numbers so that the audience has an idea of what we're talking about in terms of real-time Division One football. Yeah, at the Division One level, there's essentially 85 scholarships available for the football team. And then they typically carry between 20 and 30 walk-ons. They could carry more if they wanted to, but they typically stay in that, that general area. What's the difference between the practice walk-on and the game day walk-on you talk about it in your book tell us about that so um you 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 have a recruited walk-on and you have a true walk-on now a true walk-on just shows up out of the blue says hello to the coach you know after practice one day and says i'd like to try out for the team the coach knows nothing about you and if they need more bodies for practice they may give you an opportunity to come out and show what you can do. And if you're a good athlete, maybe they'll put you on the team, maybe. But a recruited walk-on, which was what I was, is a coach actually sees your film in high school and actually actively recruits you and says, we don't have any scholarships left to give out but we think you're good enough to play on our team and we want to give you an opportunity as a recruited walk-on. And so what that means is that you're automatically on the team and you're allowed to come in and start practicing in August, the beginning of August, with the, with the rest of the team. You're part of the 105 guys that come in at the beginning of August when we start two-a-days. Um, and yesteryear we called it, you know, hell week. And, you know, you're practicing two days, two days a, uh, a day. And um, so that's it. You got the recruited walk-on who's treated um, still as a practice player, but at least you have a little bit more credibility because the coaches have invested some time in checking out your film. And then you have the true walk-on where you just show up out of the blue and say, hey, I'd like to try out and the coach doesn't know anything about you. So you're, if you have any talent at all and they need another body, you're just going to be labeled as a practice player. And, and during practice, I gather the walk-ons essentially uh, when there are scrimmages, they play the yeah, other they team. Make, they yeah, play the they, other team. That's right. They make up the, the, the scout team, the, the team that we're going to be playing that week. We have to run their plays. And so we have graduate assistant coaches who draw up the plays 
that they've watched on film from the other team and then they show us on a cue card and we get into a huddle and they show up, you know, they hold the cue card and you look at your position and say, okay, I have to go over here or I have to go over there. And you basically run the same place that the other team runs against our, you know, in my case, as a fullback, I was running uh, the plays of the other team and our number one, number two defense at USC, which we were number one, number two defense in the country at the time, is is coming after us. And they're gonna <laughs> and, and they're gonna tackle you with the same reckless abandon as if it was a game. <laughs> well, let's just say that I got into over a hundred fights with Junior Seau during my during my time. So um, wow. it was a hell of a battle. Wow. I, you know, seriously, we had we had, I think we were rated in 1988, 1989, 1990. We were one of the top defenses in the country. And so as a scout team guy, I'm playing against the best of the best in the country. And because I was trying to prove myself and earn a scholarship, which ultimately I did, which was a great accomplishment. And I'm proud of that. Um, I had to prove myself by playing against Junior Seau and Scott Ross and Mark Carrier and Tim Ryan and Dan Owens, all guys who went on to play, uh, who are all Americans at SC and, and all went on to play in the NFL. And, you know, it took me getting into fights with these guys every single day in practice. I didn't well, win them all, but, <laughs> but I, was, I was going toe-to-toe with them. When we come back on After the Glory, this is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and our special guest, Tim Lavin. We'll talk to Tim about the moment he realized he was going to be a history, a part of history at USC football, and then some, when we come back. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Lucy Sang with Gary Stern and our special guest, Tim Lavin. Tim, let's actually talk about the history of Mad Dog. Tell us where that nickname came from. Uh, I was a redshirt freshman. So I was in my second year at USC playing on scout team. And I just, you know, kept forcing myself to, to make plays. And I got the attention of Bobby April a longtime NFL coach of 20, 20 years now with LSU as an analyst. Um, I got his attention and he's like, I'm, I'm going to put you on the field. And he was in charge of special teams and he put me on kickoff team and we were playing Washington at the LA Coliseum and I ran down the field and I knocked a guy on his backside, which, which in football terms we call flat backing. And uh, so when we were watching films the next day on Sunday, when we gathered as a team, he put his red laser pointer on me and he said, everybody watch Lavin. And I ran down the field 
and they saw me flatback this guy and the whole team erupted, which was a wonderful feeling to be accepted by your peers. You know, they're recognizing you for, for making a great play. And Coach April screamed out, way to go, Mad Dog. And the whole team started laughing. And, and every single player to this day, 30 some odd years later, calls me Mad Dog. And I started my company, my own company, and I called it Mad Dog Promos. So well, it's been around. Tim is the author of Walk on You, The Shocking Truth Behind Football's Unsung Underdogs. It is an important book, not only because of the journey that Tim took, but because of what Tim reveals about the walk-on experience. Let's break that down into two parts, Tim. Uh, you are one of the walk-ons who, by sheer will and determination, ended up getting a scholarship. There's an unfortunate story about initially being awarded only a half scholarship, but eventually you got a full scholarship. Tell our audience about those last two years at USC and your accomplishments. Um, when I realized, you know, and, and I played against one of the best defenses in the country at the time, and I was I was holding my own. And I, I mentioned offline, I was getting into fights with Junior Seau on a regular basis, and he was considered one of the best linebackers in the country. And of course, we all know what he did you know, for 20 years in the NFL. And I realized I can play at this level and I deserve a scholarship. And so I went to the head coach, Larry Smith, and I said, um, hey, look, I'm not gonna be on scout team for four or five years. I'm not a practice player guy. I deserve to play on the field on Saturday and I deserve a scholarship. And I prove it every single day when I go out and practice against the number one, number two defense in the country. And he told me straight up, Tim, you're one of the best walk-ons I've ever coached in my career, which was a wonderful you know, compliment to hear. And he said, go through spring ball. And if you go through spring ball and you do a great job and you're gonna play on Saturdays, I'm putting you on full scholarship. And, we, and he said, if I don't think you're gonna play, I'll help you find another school. So we looked at each other in the eye, we shook hands on it. It was, you know, a man-to-man -man contract. And I talked to a mentor of mine uh, who had college coaching experience. And he said, you need to go back and talk to him and confirm it's a full scholarship. So I went to him again the next day, I walked into his office and I said, I just wanna confirm our deal that we made that we shook hands on. It's a full scholarship. And he said, yeah, I don't believe in half scholarships. It's all or nothing, full scholarship. Uh, and I said, okay, great. And we shook hands on it again. And I went through spring ball and ended up playing great. And uh, in, in the spring scrimmage, uh, I had eight carries for uh, 64 yards and a touchdown. And we went in the locker room afterwards and the whole team was screaming, mad dog, mad dog, mad dog. Again, I'm feeling totally accepted by my peers. And Larry Smith walked up to me and he said, congratulations, I'm putting you on full scholarship. And that was in the spring and over the summer, I received a letter and it said, congratulations, you're now on half scholarship. So I immediately called him up. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's the deal here? And he said, well, we're having budget cuts in the athletic department. And, and he blamed it on the athletic director. I called the athletic director's office and they're like, uh, yeah, no, Larry Smith has full control over who gets the scholarship and how much it is. And 
And, um, you know, but when you're 20 years old, it's like, you know, how, how do you push those buttons? So I just had to accept it and be on half scholarship for that year. And then the following year, because I played the whole season on Saturdays, they put me on full scholarship. And, and Tim, tell our audience what this means. In other words, if you're not from a rich family, uh, college costs a lot of money. Half scholarship means your family's got to have to scrape the money together. And uh, that was a real burden, wasn't it? It was Hold a on. terrible burden. It's not just college, it's college at a private university. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was tough because I had a brother who was two years older than me going to LMU, Loyola Marymount. And so my parents had to take out a second mortgage on the house to pay for his tuition and my tuition. And when I was told that I was going on full scholarship in the spring, you know, I, I shared that information with my parents and they were so excited and they budgeted accordingly. And then in the summertime, just before school started, just before we reported to camp, I get the letter saying, oh, it's only a half scholarship. You know, now my dad's got a budget again for a half a scholarship at USC, even though we had been promised something else. So it's frustrating. Lucy, what do you say we come back and talk with Steve one more segment because there's some really critically important things to talk about in terms of the life of a walk-on and our audience needs to know what that really means in the real world of Division One athletics. On After the Glory, this is Gary Stern with Lucy Sane. This is Daryl Wayne here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org, that's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717, that's 818-710-2717. And we're back on After the Glory. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang and our very special guest, Tim Lavin, the author of Walk on You, the shocking truth behind football's unsung underdogs. Tim, I'm tempted to just ask it this way. What is the shocking truth? But I know that beyond merely the issue of competition, the everyday life of the walk on, perhaps because of rules imposed by the NCAA is different. Tell us about that, and frankly, what needs to be changed in that context? So the reason I wrote the book is once I earned a scholarship uh, at USC, um, I realized how differently I was treated. And yeah, as a walk-on, you don't get the same equipment. You get yesteryear's equipment from a decade ago. When I got there, they gave me, I was a fullback and they gave me shoulder pads that were for a punter, you know? And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to go practice against the number one defense in the country with punter shoulder pads? You know, they didn't care about giving me the proper equipment. They didn't care about, 
uh, providing me with the brand new Nike stuff that, you know, they, Nike sends all this brand new stuff and they distribute it to all their scholarship guys. And the walk-ons wear, you know, shirts from many years ago. So once I started playing, uh, my freshman year, my very first year, we were, uh, we came in in August and I ate at training table, which is the nutritious meal that they give to the athletes after practice. And as the football team, we had our own private dining hall and I ate with them every single day in practice. But once school started, the NCAA rules kick in and they say, you are no longer allowed to eat at training table with the scholarship players. Just outrageous. You, you have to go eat somewhere else. Go eat with the rest of the student population. Go have a burger at a fast food joint, but we're not good. So I'm like, wait a minute, I'm spending all this time and energy going to the weight room, in meetings, going to practice. I'm doing everything that every other scholarship guy is doing, but I'm not allowed to nourish my body at the end of practice anymore. So that was one of the rules that uh, because of my book, I did get overturned in uh, April of 2014. Beautiful. Yeah. So once my book came out, I started doing interviews on radio across the country. You know, I would do um, a remote interview in Los Angeles, but it was it was sent out, uh, syndicated throughout the country. Yeah, like um, ours. Yeah. And um, this was on iHeartRadio. Um, and they, you know, they they had 300 stations and everyone was hearing about these stories. Walk-ons did not have um, health insurance, right? A scholarship guy gets hurt, he's covered by the athletic department. A walk-on gets hurt, you got to use your parents' insurance. Oh my and your goodness. parents have to pay the deductible. And... So these were a couple of things that I was really pushing for change on. And so when I did these radio interviews, I enlightened the country. You know, you go to a football game and you see 100 guys running on the field uh, at the beginning of the game and you just, you think they're all part of one big happy family. And you know what? 85 guys have everything taken care of and the other 20, they're, they're pulling their own weight. Their parents are paying tuition. These guys are working part-time jobs, working as security and janitors at night to after practice just to make ends meet. In addition to training table, are there other areas where your book has had that kind of impact? Uh, they have changed the insurance. So now walk-ons are covered in the insurance uh, world uh, just as, as scholarship guys. Now it's not written in the NCAA rules, but most schools have adopted that because they saw how much flack they got from not mm -hmm. taking care of walk-ons with insurance, not taking care of um, a, a training table. And so they have, they have uh, the way the NCAA rule book reads today is a school may, keyword, may provide <laughs> training table for a walk-on. So it's really up to the school, uh, but most schools do that. And Tim, as we wrap up this episode, tell us about what you've been up to since life after being an active athlete at USC football. Um, I knocked on the door, as they say, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. I knocked on the door of the Raiders and 49ers. I got a couple tryouts. Unfortunately, I didn't make it. Uh, and so ultimately, I had to uh, figure out what my profession was going to be. 
Um, I did some security work up in the San Francisco Bay Area for my brother, uh, just as I was trying to figure it all out and ultimately ended up starting a promotional product company, putting company logos on swag and all that giveaway stuff. And I've been doing that every uh, ever since for the past 20 years. So when I started my own company, I called it none other than Mad Dog Promos. And, yes. and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. I, I hope our audience again will uh, pick up a copy of Walk On You, The Shocking Truth Behind Football's Unsung Underdogs. Tim Lavin is a superb author. The book is a great read. Um, Tim, as we close out uh, this episode, um, what would you say and what message would you like to say, especially to young um, athletes coming out of high school uh, who may be experiencing or may want to experience the life of the uh, Division I or even Division II college athlete um, about preparation for life after the sport is over? Uh, well, that's exactly why I started my own podcast, which is how we met in the first place. I wanted to see how we could get uh, high school athletes who don't get a scholarship or who are trying to get a scholarship, how they can get the attention of other coaches. And so I've had the opportunity uh, to uh, interview several uh, several former coaches, Ken Zampezi, as you mentioned earlier, who's the quarterback coach of Washington football team, Sam Ono, Bobby April, uh, several co uh, high school coaches to figure out what these guys should do um, to help um, to help uh, get the attention of coaches to try and get a scholarship to the next level. So my podcast uh, can be found on YouTube and Facebook as well. And the name of the podcast is? The name of the podcast, well, is Walk On You, but how to get the attention of a scholarship uh, coming out of high school. Take a listen, everybody. This is Gary Stern with Lucy Sang. Thank you to Tim Lavin for being our guest today on After the Glory. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. As we leave you until next time, we want to thank our team, our producer, Mark Allen, executive producer from Podclips, Mike Anderson, and our sound engineer and editor, the insane Daryl Wayne. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstead. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling across the sky. Back in the day, so young and strong. Work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through, your story, what you gonna do after the glory, step back and take inventory, checking out new territory, not every